You are listening to Terra Signals, presented by Normal Paranormal. I am your host, Justin Bamforth. AI, artificial intelligence. Whenever you hear that term, you might be filled with excitement or trepidation, depending on what side of the digital table you sit at. My goal isn't to sway you one way or another, it's just to get you to think. The next guest is someone who will encourage just that. What you're about to hear is an interview I conducted with Bart. Bart Vandel AI, to be exact. But this isn't his real name, it's a pseudonym, which you'll find out soon enough the reasons behind it. However, he has been vetted by my brother, who first referred me to him, thinking he'd be such a great guest for the show since he too works in the same field of technology. But the truth is, I've wanted to interview Bart for quite some time now since he is at the forefront of AI development, and I thought his direct knowledge could help shed some light on these uncharted, futuristic territories. Could AI really destroy humanity? Or might it actually save us? Now since Bart has chosen to maintain his anonymity, his voice has been altered. This isn't a gimmick, but it's just a measure to protect his identity. But his decision to remain hidden sort of adds an extra layer of mystique to the whole conversation, so fasten your seatbelts as we embark on a journey into the future, guided by a voice in the dark or a sage of Silicon Whispers. We are speaking with Bart Vandalei. This is the pseudonym that this man has chosen for the interview tonight. Give the audience a little background on who you are, or rather what you're comfortable revealing. I am a specialist in the AI space, and I work with one of the largest or well, one of the top um, tech firms uh, in the world. And um, I work on a daily basis with other organizations, companies, uh, also some nonprofit and private sector organizations to help them figure out how do I take this technology and do and, and leverage that to either make my organization run more operationally or more effectively or increase my bottom line or improve the customer experience. And then I also will come into an organization that uh, learn their business, you know, learn more about kind of what they aspire, some of the goals that they're uh, determining, and I help them improve or achieve those goals by leveraging these artificial intelligence and these uh, new inventions. And I help kind of architect that or, or walk them through how to, to take that technology to achieve that goal. Why the, uh, the anonymity? What's the concern there? Why not just come out and reveal your, your full name and who you really are? Right now, we're just in this unique space. We really are at this point in human history where we are going to see a lot of change. And, and in the future, we'll look back and we'll look at this time period and say, wow, that was a time of significant change. And so because of that, these firms, including my own, are competing. and I. It, if I talk about something or talk about technology, I could be at risk of losing my job if I leak some information that could potentially allow another firm to be uh, more competitive or take that information and use it against us. That also said, I don't want to uh, have the constraints that if I talk about a project or 
something moving forward. And if I slip up there, you know, again, that can have dire consequences. And so there's a lot of things on the line in both technological aspects of it and in uh, the work that I do on a daily basis that being able to freely talk about it is hard to do if you slip up. And so this allows me the freedom to be able to have a conversation without that risk becoming real. Understood. And and I think that's fair. Uh, all right. So what are the different types of uh, AI out there? Because I think most people are, you know, when they think of AI nowadays, they think of, um, you know, the Hollywood stereotype of, you know, some sort of robot, or they think of what we use today is chat GPT, but what are the real different types of AI out there? Yeah. So the first one we all know, as you mentioned, chat GPT, right? Chat GPT, chat GPT and the offerings of open AI, uh, is called generative AI. And that is the ability to have this, uh, general knowledge, this, uh, general tool, this out of the box, uh, AI capability that you can ask questions or have on sit on a, a data set um, and it will generate real language like a human speaking directly to you. What makes that so huge of an advancement is that prior to that, you had to train some kind of model and the different scenarios you still kind of do. And that's where we get into the other areas that I think are less out there uh, being talked about on the news, right? And so there's really five different other types of artificial intelligences that exist, right? There's machine learning, anomaly detection, computer vision, natural language processing, and conversational AI. And so I'll start with the last one there, conversational AI. Conversational AI is what you would think of as like a chatbot, the ability to uh, you know ask simple questions, and then, and you know, we see this a lot on websites, right? How may I help you today, right? That gets you to really interact with a chatbot. That chatbot processes understanding of what you want to do, where you want to go, and then gets you in touch with an agent that has all those basic questions already figured out. That's conversational AI. ChatGPT kind of has also broken through part, if not completely changed that conversational AI uh, space that has been uh, focused on just building bots and, and chat communication bots in the, in the past. The next thing is natural language processing, right? So that's the ability to take like you, you and I are doing, speaking in human uh, English tongue, uh, it could be any language, and converting that to text. And so that way, when you convert that to text, you can do things with that. You have data, you can now use that as a programming language. Uh, being able to change natural language processing, you see this with translation apps, uh, being able to converse back in natural processing language. Again, that's another huge thing with, with OpenAI, is the use of, uh, or the creation of what's called Whisper, which is to be able to take text, convert that to uh, what seems like some kind of natural language or some kind of human speaking back to you. Computer vision, this one's really huge. I think up till we saw the breakthrough in OpenAI, this was a really big, uh, this was the cutting edge, just computer vision. So it's this concept that you can take a picture and you can read it and understand it. Like a, a, a computer can understand a picture abstractly like a human would. Right? They could look at the Mona Lisa and say, okay, that's the Mona Lisa. 
And that, up until this past decade, has been really hard to do, especially to the detail that we have now. I mean, now you can take someone's picture and say, who is this? Or what celebrity are these are these pictures like who are these celebrities here that computer vision piece is something around artificial intelligence that uh you know being able to recognize different faces with different expressions you know, is this person upset or angry that is an artificial intelligence and again that is that is really important as we move forward and i think as we progress in the artificial artificial intelligence world and then the last the anomaly detection and machine learning Anomaly detection is looking for something that's not of the norm. We see this with, say, um, machines, right? If a machine is running and it somehow isn't running as smooth as it typically does, and therefore the output of what it's building might not be uh, as good, right? So the quality assurance might go down. Looking for those anomalies uh, are, are crucial in being able to make sure that we're creating what we want to create, we're doing what we want to do, and we're also preventing things from breaking down. In the case of um, where I've seen some of this application is in transportation, right? Looking for when uh, an engine isn't working right. And if you think about that in like air travel or freight or train travel, uh, looking when a wheel is not hitting right, right? Detecting those anomalies is crucial to preventing maybe a train wreck, right? And then the last is machine learning. And this, I think, is a very uh, com common one, right? Um, and so machine learning is basically taking a data set and looking for some kind of recurring pattern. And there's typically a few different models that this works off of, but the two big ones are classification models and regression models, right? The classification model is being able to look at a large data set and training that data set to identify whether an outcome is going to happen. So I could say, take patient data and say, okay, based on this patient data, uh, all this information that I have, is this person going to have a heart attack? Um, that would be an example. Is this person going to have diabetes, right? Uh, versus regression model, I would say, hey, I'm going to look at this patient data set. How old will this patient live? Uh, you know, or what will their, uh, what, what would be the range of their average heart rate based on this data? Uh, so that's those are the different types of artificial intelligence. Is there any questions there? And uh... yeah, yeah, I think it's very thorough uh, your response. So that that's good. I think a lot of people who are interested in this will find it very beneficial. Just to you know to help clarify you know some of the understandings and some of the misconceptions around it. It's important too, right? Because when we look at ChatGPT, we think about okay, what ChatGPT does. The first in, uh, uh, application of ChatGPT was that we would no longer need a search engine, right? Like that was the, the, the application. And now we're finding new uh, capabilities for that technology. Well, the same goes for all these different um, types of machine learnings and categories is that they do all, uh, that each of these fits a certain uh, problem and can be used in a certain way to solve a, a problem. And what you might do in ChatGPT might not be able to do in computer vision. Uh, or what you're able to do in OpenAI's um, uh, like image generation, right? Uh, what's called DALI. That might not mean anything when you need to analyze a picture or analyze an image. So I hope that helps kind of 
set that when we talk artificial intelligence, there is a lot more areas. And in those areas, we, we have saw a lot of development in over the years, and in some of them more so than the others. Uh, and so ChatGPT, while it is revolutionary and it will be uh, very, very changing artificial intelligence, it is still represent, uh, re representing only a piece of the entire AI pie. You know, there's a lot of speculation, right? And there's uh, even fear, especially in popular culture. What are some like common misconceptions about AI? And what do you think is important for the public to understand about its capabilities and limitations? So I think that's a really good question. Um, and I think that is at the heart of what we hear and, and the major concerns that we have, where we're thinking this is going to be like a, a Stutznet, right? Or this is going to be some kind of matrix where AI is going to come out and it's going to completely remove the need for human intervention, for human involvement, and most of the things that we do professionally or that we look for in interactions with humans, that will be completely removed. Frankly, the technology, A, isn't there, in my opinion, and two, I think we have a lot further to go in the artificial space, in the artificial intelligence space, to even get clear, like clearly close to that goal, if that's even a goal. And I think you hear some of the, there's some tech giants, right, that we hear like Elon Musk, for, for example, um, and you hear some of his concerns and, and there, there was a big, uh, there was a big um, letter that was signed, including Elon, um, as well as um, Steve Wozniak that said, like, hey, we need to kind of put, pump the brakes on this because we don't want to be at a, a point where there's no return, right? The, the, the robot's completely out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle, and now we, we can't put it back, and it's thinking for itself, and it's determining and taking over and launching nukes and determining uh, what kind of government we have and what we do, and humans are its slave, right? So that's, I think, the concern. That's also the, around this concept of general artificial intelligence. So when we get into what artificial intelligence is, artificial intelligence at this stage right now, and in general, artificial intelligence is really this core concept that this computer can mimic human intelligence. That's what the core of, of what we're after, what we're choosing. But with artificial intelligence, there's a difference between what it can do now, which is more mimicry, or with this breakthrough in called generative AI out of open AI, that is the ability for it to sit on data and you to ask it natural questions, natural language questions. And when you ask those questions, it is able to answer you in your language back and give you a really tangible answer off of the data set that it has. So artificial intelligence right now has made this really pivotal moment where you can give it any kind of data, you can talk and ask the questions like you would a normal human being, and it will answer you back, uh, giving you that information off that data. 
And that is a huge breakthrough. However, this general artificial intelligence is this concept that the artificial intelligence can think for itself and it can draw conclusions in the future and come up with inferences that are very advanced about that data or about something that you haven't shown or you haven't uh, trained it on. Hmm. Have Have we seen that in, in technology or have you seen that? I have not. I don't believe we have. Some of the shakeup that, that's happened at OpenAI, there were some rumors that were said that Part of that shakeup that happened at, at OpenAI, and for the listeners that aren't aware of that, um, basically the founder of, or one of the founders of uh, OpenAI and the, the leader over there, he was pushed out as CEO by the board of directors. And one of the rumors was that that happened because his concern and the board's concern over what OpenAI may have found that next push towards getting closer to that general artificial intelligence. But I really think those are just rumors and there's nothing that leads me to believe that. I don't know anything about that. And and frankly, if I did, not necessarily sure I could share that, but um, pretty confident that that's not what happened. Um, And again, going back to, I think we're years away, if not decades away from uh, that whole you know, AGI, artificial general intelligence, is what you what you typically hear. You know, I remember was it just like a year ago, like first hearing about ChatGPT, and now here we are. It's like it has taken over. Why is the technology moving so quickly? I mean, is it because these these tech giants, like you had alluded to earlier, were already playing in this space? They had it in ready to go. But it just wasn't, you know, marketable yet, right? It wasn't, and then all of a sudden, here we are. So what I think has happened is that, aside from generative AI, all of these different areas, they, they, that has been being worked on, and we've made progress in these spaces a lot, um, a lot. So natural language processing, for example, is um is is a good one, right? Uh, before generative AI, you've heard of the you've heard of translation applications, right? Where like, you can speak into the application and then you speak into it Spanish and then it translates out to English or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So that's natural natural language processing, the ability to take something someone says and convert it to text, and the ability to do that has existed. That. That, that in a way is artificial intelligence, right? Or be, be able to take text, you know, takes what somebody says and convert that to text. That has existed. But I think we kept hitting this wall uh, up until the past five years. We've really hit this wall because the technology on the background hasn't been there. And when we say technology, it comes down to processing power and being able to collect a large data set and be able to access that data set. And when you think about where we were 20 years ago, 20 years ago, the concept of a server or a computer being a physical box in your house was the mainstay. That's the primary concept of IT is that, hey, we have these servers and we're going to connect them on this network called the internet, right? And everything that you did was confined to that box or that server. But now with cloud computing, it gives you the capacity to take a bunch of servers, a 
bunch of processors and group them together. And that coupled with our advancements in uh, chip research and in chip technology processing chips, those have improved immensely and they will continue to improve. I'll give you an example, right? When we think about how we look up in space, if I take a telescope, I can only look so far, but a lot of NASA and a lot of the uh, research and um, those that, that work in space, they take a bunch of telescopes all across the earth and then they combine them all and that gives you a much bigger lens. Well, that's kind of how it's been working in, uh, in the com uh, computational world and in IT with the advent and creation of cloud computing is that you can have access to a lot of, uh, a lot of servers and you don't, you don't have to build them, right? And I think that has opened the ability to allow us to have the compute power to run a, uh, against a huge data set and then train an, an algorithm or create an algorithm that has opened up the capacity for us to have the breakthroughs that we've had with OpenAI and ChatGPT. So if I'm hearing you correctly, all of this, like the idea was there, but the technology, the, com the computational power wasn't. And now it's like all of it's growing together all at once at the s simultaneously, right? Yeah. The concept of artificial intelligence has been around for a century, if not more. And that's the concept, this thing called AI winter. And it was the idea that, hey, we had this big breakthrough, but then we hit a roadblock. And now what people thought was going to be a practical application of AI, turns out we can't do what we thought we could do. And now we're into a winter. And I think you're going to see that. I think we have this big breakthrough with, with you know, ChatGPT now. I think the next stage is really that concept of potentially reaching artificial general intelligence. And until we get there, I think you're going to see a winter. I think you're going to see people, and right now companies accelerating towards, and almost every company is finding out ways to implement this. The same thing with research. I think you see many breakthroughs in the healthcare, in the sciences, huge breakthroughs. Um, that's all going to revolutionize the day-to-day -day world that we live in. And then once we kind of accept that new reality and, and understand what the limitations are, the next is that next evolutionary step, right? And that's going to be, I think, general, the general intelligence. So, you know, I am a brain, right? I can do it all. And I can also think forward and I can make suggestions where I can, uh, you ask me something about something and I can just give you a good answer. I think that's the future. And I think until we get there, we'll have another winter. How far are we away from that? I think like a decade away. A decade? Wow. Maybe less. Oh my gosh. What happens when we actually do reach AGI? Well, um, like, do we have to create new laws? Do we have to restructure society? Like, what what are the implications of that? Like, let's say a company has a press release 
and they say, hey, guess what, guys? We have achieved it. We have achieved artificial general intelligence. What happens from there in this in this scenario? Like, what do you see happen? Well, it's the much like uh, ChatGPT now, right? Um, is the question becomes, let's see it. How does it work? And once we get a good feel of how it works, what the platform is designed, how we implement it, how do we interact with our data, how do we interact with our um, with our information? Like, let's look at that. And if it comes out to be pretty practical, then I think it stays. Then I think you'll see technology developing around that. Earlier you asked me about like laws, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times government works slow. Um, and as we advance more and more in the private sector, um, the private sector, its goal, right? A lot of times is to, to do good things. Um, and, you know, kind of the driver behind that is profits, right? So, um, but I think the intentionalities are, are, are good a lot of times, right? It's a, a human involvement. While the government's intentions are to serve uh, its constituents, right? Um, but with that said, it's often slow. So when you want to get things done really fast, private sector is really do, and I think we see that in the advanced AI, but oftentimes laws lag behind because of that. And we did see some legislation get put in place already on uh, artificial intelligence now. Um, so to answer your question, I still believe that if we got to the point of AGI, like, then laws would have to catch up. Do you think we've now reached a point where the government just can't catch up to the technology? I think they can, um, but it comes to, you know, is our priority? Because I, I just have a hard time trying to understand why this isn't a priority, right? Because this is, I mean, this is going to reshape society. I mean, how can this not be a priority? You know, that's, that's a fine balance of the private sector and the, you know, the, the, the public sector um, and non-profits that fit in there, right? Um, but in the case of any new tool that, that comes to market, is you train that balance between having a healthy growth in innovation and technology and shutting that down completely and really holding back the advancements as a, you know, as a, as humanity that we could potentially have. Look at the car space, for example, and, and look at drone space, right? Uh, I think that's a better example. We can do drone deliveries. We can do that. But the airline, you know, the, um, the federal airline, what FAA, they they basically have kind of tabled that. But we can do that. You can have packages delivered to your to your door, and you know, in most cases, like. Uh, but I think FAA is kind of like shut that down right now until they get some testing. And the same thing I was trying to make before is self driving cars. It's there, right? Like we have self driving cars that are out there, um, but it's a big risk, right? I mean, one of the biggest killers is cars. So um, the government doesn't want to just let that go. And, uh, but at the same time, when they table that, that growth kind of gets tabled too. This is something that will transform the way our day-to-day -day lives are. Uh, if you haven't played with technology, then I would encourage you to. But for those of your listeners, including yourself, that have played with this technology, I mean, you think and feel that this is pretty life-changing, right? Like you can do a lot more, like life gets um, 
a lot of the tasks that were maybe really long that it took before, you can query that or get that answer in a second. Yeah. Yeah. The, the technology is really amazing. And to those of you who are listening who haven't, you know, played with some of the AI tools out there, I mean, th there's a lot. Uh, it, it's really mind blowing, but it, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And that's why I kind of asked about the government thing because, you know, a lot of politicians, they got a lot on their mind, right? So, um, you know, trying to do the homework and the research into better understand this technology that that requires an investment on their part. But let me ask you this: um, has has government ever approached you to better understand the technology or help shape public policy? No, the government hasn't approached me directly. Um, indirectly, I've worked with some institutions that uh, that are like have been and are involved in the government. Um, so, you know, I've kind of worked with them through some uh, helping of like operational efficiencies and kind of improve it using to find out ways to use this technology to improve what they do um so indirectly i i do uh, and have uh you know necessarily it, it could see an impact there but i haven't had any like government agencies or you know policymakers or um, anyone in the federal authorities directly approach me and say hey can you create a policy that said um the organizations that I am a part of, uh, their leaders have uh, and are involved in um, helping build policy decisions. So um, while I am not necessarily part of those conversations, uh, my institution and other institutions uh, that you know are leaders in that space are. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. What What about in um you know, shifting gears a little bit? What about in the healthcare space? You know, do you work with you know, various healthcare agencies to kind of utilize AI to help improve the technologies there in medicine and in, in surgery and, you know, and what have you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that that's, you know, when we look to where AI has, has really made this big change, um, I think we're going to see the most of the advancements that will, we're going to look back and say, wow, like this is absolutely life-changing is in the, 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 the medical industry. Um, so I didn't cover all of those things, but one of, in one of those um, areas of artificial intelligence, right, is called computer vision. And the idea of computer vision is to be able to take an image and uh, deduct uh, different elements of that image and be able to say, okay, um, and in the case of health um, and in the case of the medical field, you can actually make inferences on those images. And if you train a model in a case of say, maybe cancer research, you can look at a model and say, hey, uh, this cell does not look like a healthy cell. This person should maybe be screened for cancer. Or um, looking at different fractures and or different surgeons saying, hey, you know, there's, there's, there's a fracture here, there's a broken bone here. And so I think for uh, right now, AI space and the computer vision, we're already seeing practical applications of artificial intelligence and computer vision capabilities being leveraged in diagnoses. And the, that's very, very important in finding diseases on very early on and getting a diagnosis and a treatment in place to stop that progression or reverse it. And um, as you know, with cancer, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, as this technology improves and as we work with things like CRISPR and genetics and DNA, getting down to those levels 
and being able to look at potential diseases or protein problems or um, you know uh, abnormalities that might lead to um, you know further diseases. I think I think that's going to be the future of where we're going to see artificial really shine. And there's some hangups now on that. Uh, there's already been some cases where the artificial intelligence has given a um, uh, a false positive, or it's it's given some information that the diagnosis has been completely wrong. Um, so there's some growth there, but I think that can only get better. How does how does that happen? Uh, because you would think AI is perfect, right? Like how does a uh, how do they make a wrong diagnosis? And the answer to that is that AI is not perfect. <laughs> it is not, and um, everything's all probabilities. So when you do train a model or you build an algorithm, and again, this is the breakthrough of generative AI, right? And what Chat GPT's done and, and OpenAI has done with their uh, collection of solutions is that they've given you an out of the box uh, generative artificial intelligence capability that allows you to start there. Prior to OpenAI and um, and you know, ChatGPT is that you had to train a model. So in the case of like computer vision, if we were to look at say and try to identify a bone fracture, we had to train that model on what a bone, like what a proper bone structure looks like. And you have to show it a negative bone structure. You have to train that model to find abnormalities and identify that and help the artificial intelligence algorithm get built. And give that the proper data set to say, hey, you know, this is what I should be looking for. This is that. Uh, and then when you finally have a trained model and you put it out there, it doesn't give you certainties. What it does is it gives you probabilities. So, so yeah, this is definitely it. Based on my probability reading of being like 98% confidence. And so th there is a, a level of like inductive reasoning that takes place that requires artificial. So at the basis, artificial intelligence is not like absolute or was absolute. But as you continue to train that model, it gets better and better. Because isn't that what humans do? Yeah, it's a good good point. Yeah. We're making our decisions based on what we've learned in the past. And that's what artificial intelligence is. It's a mimicry of what the human intelligence is. And I think what the human psyche is trying to go and do is make it better than what we can do. there's that unsettling aspect where AI could one day, you know, try to replace humans, right? I know that that's a common fear with a lot of listeners. Have you seen yourself, have you seen any of these, dare I say, scary moments in the technology? And for example, you know, there was that, um, oh man, I'm trying to remember the example, uh, over at, uh, over at Meta, they were- oh when the two machines were talking to one another yes yes yeah. yeah where they started talking with one another and then they started developing their own language and the researchers 
didn't understand what that language was. And then they realized this could be a threat. So they shut down the whole system. Have you seen the technology uh, act in ways that's rather unexpected or unplanned? And it ends up being scary for you or your colleagues. No. Um, here's why I say that is because right now you can shut it off. Um, so if something starts acting funny, there's a switch that says, okay, restore it back to default. Um, and let's go back to retrain the model from a certain, like this certain base level. Like it's almost like re uh, doing a system reboot on your computer back to like a prior um, so that's number one. Um, but I, I do know what you're getting at here. And, and I, I would say that, yes, this is a, this is a concern. It is a thing that's being watched across, uh, you know, I think everybody is kind of just like watching that. Right. Um, because on one hand, it's interesting because humans want humans, our culture, our values, our morals, the way we experience the world is through a lot of times, you know, a part of that place is through the tools that we have. Right. And so having better, stronger, um, smarter tools enables us to do better, stronger, smarter things. And so it's value. It's a, it's a va it's viewed as a value. And you're not going to have a complete philosophical discussion about whether that's good or bad. Um, but in the case, to your point, I think that awareness does play. I think everyone's kind of like watching that. And in the case of where we're at with, say, generative AI, the research isn't necessarily being used to try to create this artificial sentient being that can think for itself. Really where I think the concern is, is how this technology will be used to automate a lot of the mundane tasks that we didn't think was automatable before. Like employment, right? Exactly. The mundane tasks that people are doing that we kind of take for granted, right? Like, for example, like, uh, you know, you see this at the grocery store a lot. You know, there's the, the checkout line. Well, now there's more self-checkout lines than actual human checkout lines. Where do you see this evolving? We've, we've already seen this happen. Um, and, and we've typically looked at blue-collar work as, you know, something that's, you know, manual. And the skills required for that is to be able to be, uh, you know, take a, take a grooming punch every single time. And you don't have to really necessarily have uh, the, the brains, you just have to have the bronze. And then white collar work, not replaceable because we, we have the brains, not the, the bronze. But in the past, we've, we've already seen some of the work, almost all of it, uh, in the manufacturing space being automated, right? I mean, cars in Detroit were such a big thing before they're shipped overseas. After they're shipped overseas and kind of in between, we've seen the factories almost be mostly robotic and so i think the process was like hey we understand the manufacturing could be automated but none of the blue collar jobs none of the white collar jobs could really be touched right now well with this capabilities that we've seen this big push through maybe blue collar right now because we don't have robotics yet we don't have robotics that can mimic or do the things that people can do but i think more jobs than we thought before in the white collar space are potentially at risk. And that's anything that's a repeatable process or anything that can be um, a series of steps can be followed, can be automated, 
And if we have an element of creativity, parts of that potentially we can tap into some of this generative AI to create that creative aspect. And never before have we ever thought that creative aspect could be touched or, or could be replicated with artificial intelligence. Wait, let me understand this correctly. So you're saying that creative positions are, are potentially threatened here? Potentially. Really? I mean, I, I know that there's the, you know, the image um, creation tools that are really big right now, like Dolly and, um, you know, Adobe Firefly, just name a few. But beyond that, what, what do you see? What do you, what do you anticipate? Uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, I mean, you're already starting to see the development. And again, where these things, there's almost a practical application in every field. That's what makes this so wild. Versus before, there wasn't necessarily a practical application in every field. Uh, there were some fields that did artificial intelligence really well and other fields that it did. And a lot of times it was replicating uh, what other uh, you know, government or nonprofit or, or, or you know, companies were doing and replicating that in their own. So... Right now, you're starting to see this hit the marketplace, and it's going to be—it's going to take time, right? It's going to take time before we actually feel the impacts of this on our day to day. But what I can say is that uh, it's coming, right? It's just a matter of time and deployment. So, kind of going back to it, you're already seeing this in, like, I would say, I just call it one uh, cases email. So, ChatGPT is 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 being used in to take an email and read that email and do a synopsis. And then you can ask ChatGPT to say, hey, reply to this email, and it will give you a suggestion. Now, not every single time is that reply going to make sense, or it might be super general. But the whole goal of this is for that to get better and better and better. And it's pretty darn good at giving some kind of contextual reply to the prior thread. And if you think about that from a creative aspect, in email generation, if we want to do like a marketing campaign, right, or a sales strategy to target a certain number of customers, we might be able to leverage the capabilities of generating a very personal email across a, like a very large customer base. And prior to this, that's kind of been seen as like a creative task, right, to create email blasts, to, um, to make that tailored to maybe send a A-B test where or does this email do better or this email. But if I can send an individualized personal's email based on the buying habits of each individual customer and have a, a kind of a reply set up, and I can do that with ChatGPT, then I don't necessarily need a portion of my email marketing team that has typically been seen as creatives. So that's maybe one application, but we can go into thousands of these. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I think that gives that gives us a better idea of, of how this this can be used. Um, all right. So so let me ask you this: like, if we, because like we see the the future for AI looks extremely bright, the future for humanity does not look so bright because it seems like we're trying to, we as in society, tech firms, business, whatever, we are trying to replace all those automated tasks, all those mundane jobs, eventually all those complex jobs. 
eventually it seems like we're trying to replace ourselves so that we don't have to work, but we need to work to bring in income. So where does the balance lie, right? Great question. And I don't have an answer for you. I have some thoughts on it, you know, kind of independent of what I do. And we, you know, maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, to to answer your first question, that does kind of is the challenge of what we're looking at right now. And I think we have to ask ourselves, like, what do we want society to look like? And what role should government play? What role should the private sector play? Um, what I will tell you is that I do see a shift in, yeah, I, I think that there are some jobs that are potentially at risk. I do see you know, that happening. On the positive side, I see companies or the ability of doing and inventing and creating things or running an organization I see those as be, becoming a lot leaner and more productive. So that means that if somebody wants to start out a company, right, or they want to start out a new idea, I don't think they need a, as big of investment as they have in the past because you can use these artificial intelligence tools to take on some of that work. And therefore, I think you'll see many more companies pop up, many more opportunities, leaner companies, more innovation happening than ever before. And so I think that's a positive thing. But we do definitely have to begin to ask ourselves, if we have a large reduction or change in the workforce, what do we do? What do we do for those individuals? What do those individuals do? And how do we handle that? And what do we, what do we see the role of governance playing in that space? Yeah, that, well, at least you know, individuals such as yourself and, you know, companies that you work with and work for are at least thinking about these things, right? I mean, that's, that at least gives me some hope because, you know, we don't hear about this. And that's part of why I wanted to bring you onto the program is to kind of get the, you know, the inside scoop, right? Instead of hearing what the media says, I like to hear it from the people involved with these technologies or helping to build these technologies and create them. All right, so let's look at the coming year ahead, 2024. What do you see happening in the AI space? We've had the technology came out this past year. We've had the release of it. The rollout's been taking place. Between when it was launched, and I'm talking specifically generative AI and open AI, like when that's coming to market, that's been a huge breakthrough. The, the practical application of those since it's launched and since it's been rolling out, it's, it has been happening. And so I think next year, you're actually going to begin to see probably mid-year, like a lot of these companies will be implementing, will have done implementing or implementing the first phase of the practical application of ChatGPT into their business and into the experience of the customers and into the experience operationally uh, in their own headquarters and behind the scenes. And that is where we're going to begin to feel the impacts of ChatGPT. When that happens, it will then be a question of how folks will react. And I think we also, like at least in the United States, have 
some political uncertainties on the landscape of next year. And that can also fuel the decisions on how we accelerate that or whether organizations hold back until that uncertainty plays out. Because when uncertainty takes hold in either a political form or oftentimes rolls over and impacts the economic form, that reduces the ability for cash flow, which prevents companies from making as much investment. And so I think you'll see the first phase of these ChatGPT rollout. Everyone's going to kind of pause and feel that. And I think everyone's going to kind of start to begin to think about how their day-to-days will change. And so depending upon the outcome of the election and uh, how much that's accelerated, we won't know till December. So I don't think too much will change on the day-to-day this next year, but it will set the landscape of how people react the year after. And I think the year after is when things will most likely accelerate forward. And that's when you're going to start to feel uh, people asking these questions about what should I be doing next? And that's either we're going to have free training, we're going to have discussions of policy, or you're going to start seeing demonstrations uh, and potential uh, unionization or groupings of folks to challenge uh, the rollout of this technology. And so I think next year, you'll see the, 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 the changes take place, you'll feel the changes take place, but there won't be a lot of action. Uh, but it will set the tone depending upon how everything plays out for the next year. And I think next year could be very, um, very impactful on how we respond. All right. So that, that's really, really intriguing. In the meantime, what can the average person do to kind of anticipate those, uh, you know, that following year of, of changes? What, what can the listener do now to kind of prepare themselves to get ready for the what sounds like the inevitable future, well, the potential future, I should say, um, depending upon how the political climate goes. But let's say the technology ex- gets the green light, gets the go-ahead, we, we, we hit the gas pedal in 2025. What can the everyday average consumer or individual do today in 2024 to anticipate that? Learn. Learn as much as you possibly can. If this is something or a field that you think will be automated or um, I mean, I, I frankly think that um, just look at computers when computers came out. Can you imagine saying, "Hey, I don't want to learn how to com- yeah, I don't want to learn how to work a computer." Uh, you'd be obsolete right now. I, I mean, unless you did some kind of work that didn't have that. But even then, I would argue your phone is a small computer. Uh, but when PCs first came out, there were folks that said, "I'm not going to use a I'm not going to use a computer because it's going to replace me, and I won't be any you know." I won't be part of that. Look at the, the way that the, the impacts that all the technology has happened, taken over, basically. To be a part of that and to be a part of society, you have to understand the tools. In history, scribes were super important. People that could read and write were super important. They were able to do a lot more things. So I think it can only help to be as educated as possible. So I would say, you know, go to these, um, you know, there's a lot of trainings that are out there that are available at companies, uh, you know, you know the, the leaders in this AI space, uh, uh, you know, Microsoft being one of the top leaders, I would say, 
you know, go to Microsoft. They have a lot of like free learnings and trainings that they're doing. They're partnered up with LinkedIn. LinkedIn has some trainings. I would say go there. Um, Google is is also trying to create in the news, trying to create its own version of ChatGPT. It also has, and Google's always been a huge leader in the artificial intelligence space. Um, in in some of the other areas that I, I talked about today, there's plenty of trainings that they offer. YouTube is a great learner as well. Some of these uh, technologies you can actually get access to and start playing around with. It's called a developer environment. If you're a student, um, it's often free to develop, to play, to build. It's not when you go to production, you have to uh, pay a licensing fee. Careful there. Uh, just know your rules before going into that um, so that you don't build any unnecessary costs. Uh, those are some of the things that you can do. There's also a bunch of certifications that you can get. There's a bunch of different things that you can uh, get skilled up on. And uh, last thing is I know, like local universities are, are holding different um, learning capabilities, learning sessions, uh, uh, different certifications that you can take for learning that stuff, playing with the technology and really getting technical will only be helpful. If you don't want to be part of any of this, okay? So you say, I heck with it. I don't want to be technical. I don't want to be in the business world. I don't want to do any of that stuff. But I would say, learn a trade. Uh, get very skilled down to a trade. Until we get stronger with robotics, and I don't think we're there yet. We're, we're, we're making huge advancements in robotics. Conversation a different day. But in a way that is uh, how we think about artificial intelligence is right now, learn a trade. Uh, if, you, if you want more than part of this, you got to learn a trade. Get skilled. Because I do think that if we have a change in the kind of white-collar work or what has typically required educational uh, degrees and see some of that become replaceable, then those folks will need to do something. And I think some of them will bleed over into more manual labor uh, as an option. And if that happens, you're going to see jobs, that you're going to see the supply of labor go up. Um, and so that means that demand for labor will go down, and that means typically salaries and um, wages will go down. So learning a trade sets you different uh, from from the rest. When you mean learning a trade, you mean like uh, a trade that skill. a skill labor, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, like electric, uh, electrical work or HVAC or so something that's that that requires. Uh, physical working with your hands and the skills that are with the trade. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Bart Vandal AI, thank you very much for your time tonight and for, uh, for contributing all of this insight and helping us to learn more about the AI space and technology and what's to come. So I, th I think maybe that takes a little bit of fear out of the conversation now. There's still a little bit of trepidation, I'm sure, but at least we better understand it. And, um, and I thank you for that. Yeah, the world as we know it is not going to be destroyed just yet. Uh, but I definitely think it, it is a time of change. And it, honestly, it's a very exciting time to be alive. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. So instead of fighting against it, learn to embrace it. Bye, bye.
Now, if you aren't familiar with the story of Mike Blower's home run prediction, then you're in for a treat. When we talk about precognition in the paranormal, we often imagine these grand visions of the future, right? But sometimes precognitive abilities can manifest in more subtle ways in our daily lives. You might have experienced moments of intuition where you knew something was about to occur before it actually did. Like, for example, sensing someone would be calling mere seconds before you heard the actual ring. You know, these occurrences can feel random and unexplainable, leading us as human beings just to dismiss them as mere coincidences or luck. But what if precognition is an inherent ability that we all possess, and it's just waiting for the right conditions or stimuli to trigger it? I like to call these moments inadvertent precognition, where individuals exhibit these so-called paranormal powers unintentionally or without even trying. On September 27, 2009, something extraordinary happened in the world of Major League Baseball. MLB announcer Mike Blowers made an uncanny prediction about a player's first ever career home run. But it wasn't just a general guess. He accurately described the specific inning, count, pitch, and location where the ball would land. Blowers made his prediction a full 90 minutes before the game even started during a pregame segment on radio station KIRO Picks to Click. Multiple sources, including Bleacher Nation, Bleacher Report, and Rachel Maddow of MSNBC confirmed this timeline too. Rick Riz along with Mike Blowers, time for our Picks to Click, final game of the series. Who's yours? Well, I think clearly it's going to be Tui Asasopo today. He's swung the bat well the last few times that he's got an opportunity to play. I expect him to hit his first big league home run today. He's going to get in a good count today. He's going to get a fastball from Tallinn, and he's going to hit it out of left center field, probably oh, maybe in the second deck. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Matt Tui Asasopo's first home run of his career coming up, according to Mike Blowers. On a 3-1 count. On a 3-1 count. Break your yeah. ball, fastball. It'll, fastball. Be, it'll, be a, no, fastball. it'll be a fastball. He's a fastball pitcher. He'll 3-1 count. Second at bat. Uh, how many rows back? Second Row, second deck. Second deck. Second, second deck. deck. How yeah. many rows back? Uh, that Two I, can't, or three? I, I can't because people get their hands in the way, so you never know. <laughs> Blowers had an almost laser-like precision in his prediction. He foresaw that it would be Seattle Mariners infielder Matt Tuiyasasopo's first career home run, occurring during his second at bat with a 3-1 count, hit off of a fastball delivered by Blue Jays starter Brian Tallett. The location, according to Blowers, would be left center field and he even speculated it might reach the second deck, though it fell just short. And the left-handers, 2-1 pitch. And that's inside ball three. <laughs> three balls, I've never been so excited on the 3-1 count in my life. How about that? It, we're there, 3-1. and one. Let's see what happens here. It's going to be a fastball, Matt. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, we do know that. Now the left-handers, 3-1 pitch on the way. Swung on and belted oh. in the left field. He just missed the second deck. Fly, fly, fly away. I don't believe it. I see the light. I believe you, Mike. Unbelievable. It is two to nothing. Mariners, he missed the second deck by just a little bit. And Matt Tuyas is so cold has made the prediction come true on his second at bat on a 3-1 count. I have never in my life seen <laughs> such a prediction come true. Mike Blowers, you are unbelievable. Matt Tuyasasopo, his first major league home run, a 2-0 Mariner lead. Would you believe it? Wow. <laughs> so how did Blowers manage such an accurate prediction seemingly on a whim? Well, he was asked to make a formal prediction, but it sounded like he was just playing along at the time. 
Was it a dream he had, or did the vision suddenly appear in his mind? He shared the information very matter-of-factly without even overthinking it. Some psychic mediums claim that accuracy in their predictions is linked to a relaxed state of mind, where information is received without second-guessing. So perhaps Blowers inadvertently placed himself in the right environment for this precognitive experience to happen. Although we can't say for sure, it is an intriguing possibility. But the case of Mike Blowers highlights the prevalence of inadvertent precognition in our day-to-day lives. These experiences often go unnoticed or are dismissed, but they offer a glimpse into the untapped potential of the human mind. Have you had a similar experience of inadvertent precognition? Well, then I'd love to hear about it. Reach out to me at my website, normalparanormal.org, and click the contact form at the top. Or email me at info at and your story could be featured maybe in a future episode. So towards the end of December 2023, I put the word out on the Terra Signal social media that I was looking for predictions. These would be predictions for the year 2024. Wow, it sounds so amazing to say that out loud. 2024, we really are living in a futuristic sci-fi movie. But anyway, I was looking for people who have a knack for foreseeing the future. Self-proclaimed prophets, psychics, futurists, Super forecasters, everyone and anyone who has a strong feeling or premonition of what's to come. Now, this could have been a dream, a knowing, an inkling, or just a whim. But either way, I thought it would be fun to involve you, the listener, and what you think might be coming in the upcoming year ahead. Now, I realize that most of these are predictions are just that, right? They're predictions. I don't expect most of them to be correct. But maybe, just maybe, a couple of them might turn out to be somewhat accurate. Now, wouldn't that be interesting? But so at the end of 2024, we'll revisit these predictions and see which ones actually came to be or which ones were somewhat close. But to do that, we have to officially put them in the book as predictions at the very start of the year so that we have some proof later on, should you be accurate. And then if this episode resonates well and well, you enjoy it, you know, we'll do it again. And who knows, maybe we'll do a live show or something. I, I don't know, just throwing different ideas out there. But I'm not looking for these vague predictions. The more specific, the better, because then we can have something we can actually measure and determine its level of accuracy. If it's a vague prediction like, for example, an earthquake will occur on Earth, well, how do you really measure that, you know? Or how about giving me the country, the approximate day or time of of this said earthquake, right? That's a lot easier to measure. So when I got a lot of these responses, I admitted some of those vague ones, and I'm just going to share with you some of the best predictions I received. All right, so this first one comes from Jamie Victor in Woodbury, New Jersey. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll know that Jamie is the person I interviewed about synchronicities. And and he writes that we will learn something borderline extraordinary about the paranormal realm that affects all of humanity. Now, what that entails, you know, he didn't say, but I'm adding it to the list anyway because I think that's rather interesting. Something borderline extraordinary about the paranormal realm. I mean, we are learning some very interesting things about the UFO realm, or excuse me, UAP realm, and what an adventure that has been. So I hope that continues, to be honest. I know a lot of people in the UFO community 
aren't as satisfied with these past couple of years because they claim that there's, you know, the absence of a true disclosure. But, you know, you got to admit, what, what is coming out has been very interesting, nevertheless. You know, one could argue that disclosure is occurring, just not the capital D disclosure that everyone seems to be expecting. It seems that this disclosure is, you know, evolving more like with a lowercase d, right? It's very subtle as the information slowly trickles out. But never in a hundred years would I have expected anything UFO related to be coming out of, well, official congressional channels. I mean, this is this is a huge, giant leap for mankind. It really is. But all right, Jamie, you know, your prediction is the very first one, and it's now in the books. We will learn something borderline extraordinary about the paranormal realm that affects all of humanity. Got it. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, the next prediction comes from a listener, Brandon, located somewhere in the Midwest. Brandon writes, I honestly don't have any real predictions for 2024, as 2023 was unpredictable in itself. The only thing that I think may happen in 2024 is that we'll get the full-scale truth about UAPs or UFOs, considering everything that had gone down in the middle of the year already. Very true, Brandon. You know, as I just mentioned, 2023 was a wild year for UFO disclosure, with a lowercase d. Will 2024 see the same? Or will the entire truth about the phenomenon finally be revealed? You know, we shall see. But your prediction is officially in the books as prediction number two. In 2024, we get the full-scale truth about UAPs slash UFOs. All right. Got it. Thank you, good sir. All right. Next prediction on the list comes from Michael Brown of The Bunker Podcast. Excellent podcast, by the way. We're kind of podcast buddies and friends in real life, so I'm always going to say good things about his program. Plus, Michael was on an episode from season one titled, actually, uh, he was his part of two episodes. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the, the one's titled Voices of the Dead and Images of the Dead. Anyway, uh, Michael predicts that Project Bluebeam will come to fruition and a staged alien mass sighting will take place. Now, he doesn't say precisely when, just that it will take place in 2024. For those of you who may be listening and are like, what the heck is Project Blue? What? Well, Project Bluebeam is a conspiracy theory that originated in the 1990s. And part of that theory was that NASA or the military or other entities uh, planned to implement a staged, large-scale deception involving holographic projections in the sky. Well, the theory goes that these holographic images would be used to manipulate and control the beliefs and behaviors of the global population. But one of the core ideas behind Project Bluebeam involves an alien invasion type scenario. Because, you know, the, the thought behind it is that this fear of an alien threat would lead, you know, to military powers taking over in the name of national security, and maybe even global cooperation or establishing some sort of, you know, dare I say, new world order. Well, some in the UFO community think that this is the narrative they're trying to push now by saying that the ETs are a threat or dangerous or malicious or what have you. But honestly, I don't know how we can go on saying that they are our space brothers when you listen to the testimony of some of these alien abductees. Speaking of which, I really should have on this show someone who has gone through that. I think that would be rather interesting. You know, that way you can hear firsthand what some of these individuals ex uh, experience on a lifetime basis. Then you can decide if these entities are good or evil or maybe somewhere in between. And that's kind of what I think, actually, you know, that they're somewhere in between. I, I just don't think we have enough info yet to say either way, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. But okay, Michael, your prediction is officially in the books for 2024 is prediction number three, that Project Bluebeam will come to fruition 
and the staged alien mass sighting will take place. Got it. But how would we determine if that actually took place? Hmm. I guess we need another whistleblower to come forward and reveal it. Because if we're executed well enough, we'd surely never know, would we? Okay, next one comes from Garrick Pass from Texas. Now, I've had Garrick on the show earlier this season. He is the, the guy who had the absolutely terrifying encounter living in a house in South Carolina involving some really nasty diabolical stuff. It's the episode titled Escaping Demonic Infestation. So if you've heard that episode, you're certainly going to recognize Garrick's voice here as he sent me a voicemail with his prediction. I think 2024 shaping up to be a great year for government disclosure of information on UAPs. We've got expert testimony and congressional hearings already, as well as an admission that the videos we've all seen are of a technology we don't currently have, which should have been bigger news than that already. My other prediction is based on a trend I've noticed locally. I love attending metaphysical gatherings between witchy conclaves at my local witchy store and monthly magical markets, oddity shows, and solstice events and fields. I've seen larger and larger crowds for years now. Maybe 2024 has a record number of people finally coming out of the broom closet about their willingness to suspend their disbelief in the woo-woo. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, see a rising up of consumers against restaurants and bars putting a pretzel phone on everything. I'm not saying they aren't delicious. I'm not a monster. I'm just saying we've had enough pretzel buns forever. Thank you, everyone. It's time to return to a simpler time where burger descriptions and menus don't need to include a designation of bun type anymore. The Atala brioche pretzel. Spread, guys. It holds the meat, cheese, and guac or whatever and keeps it off of our hands. In 2024, let's stop adding complications between ourselves and the greasy mess we know we shouldn't be eating but want to anyway. Thank you. Have a good 2024, everyone. Garrick's deadpan humor. He's quite the character, I tell you, but... There you go. Heard straight from the mouth of the Lone Star Seer. All right. So prediction number four is that 2024 will be a year of government disclosure on UAPs. Prediction number five, magic conventions, magic spelled with a K, have record numbers of people in attendance. Uh, prediction number six, consumers finally rise up against the pretzel bun to say enough is enough. Got it. All right. They're all officially in the books. Thank you, Garrick. Personally, I think they pack those sandwiches too full as it is, and it all just spills out the back when you when you try to bite down on it. But maybe there's a way for us to fix that too. I don't know. All right, the next prediction, uh, set of predictions here comes from Liz in LA. She writes, you know all this talk about there being aliens already detected on Earth, especially in the U.S. Department of Defense, especially by U.S. Navy pilots, right? So I think what you're going to find out is that there's an entire group of aliens running this investigation for the Navy, and their plan is to make everyone think this is ridiculous. It will keep their identity secret, even though we've already been infiltrated. Also, hummus. It's going to be big. Well, a lot of UFO predictions and food predictions this year. All right. So prediction seven, we have the American public will discover there is a group of aliens running the UAP investigation for the Navy in order to convince everyone, that being humans, that this whole thing is just ridiculous. And prediction number eight, hummus will be huge in 2024. Got it. They have all been recorded. I don't know about the secret infiltration of aliens inside the Navy, but, you know, hey, anything is possible, right? I do know that abduction researcher Dave Jacobs was all into the aliens have infiltrated society angle. 
you know, and which he, he certainly makes a convincing argument for it. A number of years ago, I attended one of his, uh, his presentations at a mainline MUFON meeting uh, in Pennsylvania. And what he talked about there being evidence for what he believes is an all-out alien invasion in society was absolutely riveting and frightening. I remember driving home that night being thoroughly disturbed and then for, well, for weeks following. It, it was really something that sat with me for a while. Now, uh, David Jacobs has written a bunch of books on this subject, which further support his belief. But man, I sure hope he's wrong, because if he's, if he's right, well, then we are royally screwed. But there was something he said when he delivered that talk back then, which I've, I've never forgotten. He said if he had known what he was about to discover in that the alien abduction program was really a human hybridization and replacement program, then he wouldn't have gotten involved in all of his research. Because it really is disturbing, especially if there's not a single thing we can do about it. But on a lighter note, hummus. It's going to be big. I can get behind that. But isn't it already? I, I, I guess she means like big, big, right? Like on the level of people revolting behind pretzel buns, big. Only this will be in favor of hummus. Interesting. Okay, the next prediction comes from Hannah Lee Jones in the Great American Southwest. Now, I've also had Hannah on this show as, as well. Very interesting and profound writer. Go back and listen to her episode if you haven't already. It's called Nomadic Life in the Desert. But Hannah writes, crypto markets will continue to go up and social media will be increasingly AI driven. Well, I certainly hope the first part is true because I have some crypto assets that have plummeted since their peaks. Oh man, that was... That was painful. But I still believe in the power of it and what it represents, the, this whole Web3 movement that I'm truly excited about. I know I've talked with Hannah about it at great lengths, you know, offline, uh, so she knows about the Web3 movement. But the, the ideas behind it are just so refreshing and intriguing. Maybe I'll do an episode as well where we discuss it in the future. Maybe I'll look for an expert on this and bring them on. And if you have anyone that you want to listen to on this show, please do send me suggestions. I'm certainly open to them. Just go to normalparanormal.org and click the contact form or send me an email to info at terrasignals.com. That's info at terrasignals.com. And it could be anyone, really. As long as they have an interesting perspective or experience, I'd love to talk with them. And regarding Hannah's last prediction that social media will be increasingly AI-driven, well, she's probably right about that one. AI is certainly on track to automate a lot of that stuff. All right, your predictions are in the book, Hannah, for 2024. We have prediction number nine, crypto markets will continue to go up. And prediction number 10, social media will be increasingly AI-driven. Got it. Thank you very much. All right, next up is a prediction from Che in Washington State. Che writes, it's an election year, so there will definitely be some kind of scandal. They couldn't distract us enough by telling us aliens existed. I really feel like something big will happen with Elon Musk too, like a big crime that he supposedly committed. She continues, this is going to sound weird, but Lady Gaga is getting pregnant and solar storms that black out our electronics for a few hours. So solar storms is in quotation marks. She predicts that this will be the official report, but in reality, it will be our government testing something. Again, how do you verify this to be true? You know, I'm not really sure. Unless there's a whistleblower that comes forward to see that, you know, that solar storm was really a top secret project, but who knows? Anything is possible, I, I suppose. That's why we're doing this type of show. I find it fun and interesting. And hey, maybe one of these does come true. Wouldn't that be something, huh? 
All right. Well, there it is. It's now in the official prediction books for 2024. Let's see here. Prediction 11. There will be some sort of election scandal. Yeah, that's probably likely in some capacity. But Elon Musk involved in some sort of crime is prediction number 12. Interesting. Lady Gaga will be pregnant is prediction number 13. Okay. A little Gaga. Got it. And prediction 14, a solar storm that blacks out our electronics for a few hours, then revealed to be a government test project. All right. There we go. Okay, next prediction is from Sprinks in Massachusetts, who writes, Democracy as we know it will change. The framework for World War III will start. AGI, artificial general intelligence, will show her face. And the concept of education and how we will augment with AGI to improve education are all coming in 2024. The results of the election will be contested through January. And well, I guess that would be 2025. And if Republicans win, we will enter a hot war with Russia, which will postpone elections like Ukraine did. Okay, it's a lot of predictions, but super specific ones, which is exactly what I'm looking for. All right, so we have prediction number 15 democracy as we know it will change. Uh, prediction number 16 the framework for World War III will begin. I hope that does not happen. Uh, prediction number 17, artificial general intelligence will arrive. Prediction number 18, the election results will be contested through January of 2025. And if the Republicans win, we go to a war with Russia, which will postpone elections. All right, so that will be, all right, that'll be prediction number 18. Okay, got it. All right, thank you for the submission, Springs. The next one here comes from Gary in Las Vegas, who writes, I predict a lot of social unrest in the form of rioting and looting since the country is extremely divided. Yeah, probably. I mean, we're already seeing that, right? Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, he also goes on to say that there is a high likelihood of a terrorist attack, which could lead to a major cyber attack to shut down the electric grid, or perhaps something like an EMP attack, which could also shut down everything electronic. Yeah, that that's interesting and and very very scary. You know, should something like that ever happen, it would absolutely cripple the the country and its economy. So let's let's hope that prediction doesn't come true. Um, let's see here. He wrote some other stuff in here that isn't actual predictions, just commentary on on things. Uh, yeah, I'm, what I'm really after is I'm I'm after things we can validate at the end of the year. Ah, here we go. Okay, uh, people will pay carbon taxes based on the mileage they drive. Okay, now that's interesting. And cash will be eliminated and replaced with central bank digital currencies. All right, so I'm going to extract all that so we can keep tabs on whether or not these predictions occur. So prediction number 19, I have the electric grid shuts down either by a major cyber attack or an EMP device as a result of a terror attack. I have prediction 20, more social unrest occurs, taking the form of rioting and looting. Prediction number 21, people pay carbon-based taxes based on the mileage they drive. Prediction number 22, cash is eliminated and replaced with central bank digital currencies. 
And there we go. It's all officially in the books. Thank you for sending it in. Okay, let's see here. Hopefully a more positive prediction. These have been pretty bleak, but hey, that's okay. You know, they're predictions. And uh, you know, not a lot of people have a, have a lot of positivity for the future. But ah, here we go. Okay, this one comes from Zephanie in the Philippines. All right, she thinks that the war between Israel and Gaza will stop around June of 2024. Okay, now that is a precise prediction. And that's what I'm looking for, something specific that we can measure when we're recapping everything. Either it happened or it didn't. Let's hope this one comes true, because I think we could all use some peace on earth and goodwill towards others, don't you think? That's a good one. I like that. That's, that's in the books as the official prediction number 23. Okay, next one comes from an uh, anonymous in New Zealand who writes, The future year will be another disappointment for the anticipation of flying cars. Yeah, I can see that. Although they are beginning to make huge strides in air taxis now. Th did you hear about this? Uh, you know, the big investor, Kathy Wood, she invested a, a huge stake in one of the companies leading the charge on this. I think she snatched up like 300,000 shares in, in a company called Archer Aviation, which is one of the big ones involved in this, this whole air taxi business. Side note, I am holding some shares in one of uh, Kathy Wood's ARC ETFs, but I'm in no way promoting it, just putting that out there. Hence my sudden awareness of the subject of air taxis. But, you know, who knows? Maybe the flying car thing really will be a thing sooner rather than later. But those air taxis, I think, uh, that I was talking about, they're more like a flying machine than a true car. But then again, how do you define car? If you're looking at something with four wheels or tires, then this may not be it. But I don't know. I'm still going to put it in the books for 2024 uh, as prediction number 24. Another disappointment for the anticipation of flying cars. All right. The next one comes from Diana in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, Diana writes, the Lions will win the Super Bowl. The Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup. Hell will freeze over and the world will end. AI will take over. So there you go. Prediction number 25, the Detroit Lions go all the way. Prediction number 26, the Toronto Maple Leafs go all the way. Prediction number 27, hell finally freezes over. Prediction number 28, the world ends. And prediction number 29, AI takes over. I assume all that is in no particular order, but hopefully we survive enough to do a follow-up episode to give you due credit should you deserve it at that point. But then again, if it all happens, I'm sure the last thing people will be doing is listening to my dumb voice in this show. Or maybe, you know, it'll help them sleep through all the chaos and confusion of the end of the world. I, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we still have Wi-Fi, but I doubt that will be the case. All right, the next one comes from Yun in Indonesia. Now, this is very interesting because apparently she saw it in a dream and feels like it's very real. She writes that her country, Indonesia, will experience a major disaster causing people to flee to various places. She goes on to elaborate that in her dream there was a place that she saw where a sea of fire was burning and black smoke filled the sky. There were people screaming and wailing. She also writes that she saw the disaster occurring mainly in Indonesia, but there was chaos in several other places, but she's not sure which, which countries those were. She also says that she had this dream in October of 2022. So that must have been quite a profound dream for, for you to have and remember it all the way to this date. But uh, 
she says it will occur sometime during the dry season of 2024, which usually lasts from June to October and possibly coincides with the leadership election that occurs in her area around the same time. Okay, so if I understand correctly, uh, your prediction involves a major disaster occurring in Indonesia, one that also affects other countries and involves a sea of fire, lots of smoke in the sky, and displaced people who are trying to flee it. This will take place sometime during June to October, and possibly around the leadership election for Indonesia. Okay, got it. That's in the books as prediction number 30. Okay, next one comes from Kasha in Canada, who predicts that AI will progress even further at breakneck speed. This includes seeing more robotic prototypes able to converse and be almost indistinguishable from human speech. Wow, okay, this isn't too far-fetched, you know. You know, obviously we are making huge strides in technology and how we use that technology, you know, I can see something like this happening. In fact, this is sort of related, but I remember there was this one app that came out maybe a, maybe a year or two ago. I forget the name of it, but it was an AI-based friend that you could talk to and it would generate responses in real time. The idea behind it was to basically replace human-to-human interaction in case you would rather converse with an AI bot. But I remember reading in the comments for this particular app that some people truly didn't believe it was actually AI. They began to suspect that some of the developers were actually writing to them directly through the app because of how normal and natural the AI response was. And that was a while ago. So now think what we can achieve today with where our technology is. Of course, not all AI is created equal, however. You know, case in point, those lousy, awful chatbots you encounter in place of real humans, right? On a lot of those websites, especially retail sites, you know, when you're just trying to contact the help section, just get me to a real person, please. You, you, I'm sure a lot of you know the feeling, but, but I digress. Okay, uh, Kasha, I get what you're saying, and I think you're probably right here, so I'm going to put it in the in the official prediction books as prediction number 31, that AI progresses even further at breakneck speed, and we begin to see more robotic prototypes able to converse and be almost indistinguishable from human speech. All right, here's another prediction regarding AI that comes from Winnish in the Netherlands. He says that governments will employ AI tech as a way to control people, let's say in a more surveillance way. Eventually, more and more human interaction will be forbidden since it cannot be controlled by government. And once people realize this, it would be too late to stop it. There will be backlash to this, but it will be short-lived, and then it will become more socially accepted. Now, that's a dystopian prediction for us, right? Wouldn't that be something? If governments employed AI tech as a way to control and surveil people? Well, they kind of are using it to surveil individuals already. I mean, that's been going on for decades now. But the angle of human interaction becoming forbidden as a result of it, now that is intriguing. Could you imagine if human interaction was outlawed because world governments couldn't track it? Very, very interesting concept there. So I'm going to add your prediction to the list as uh, number 32, world governments employ AI tech as a means for control and surveillance. Human interaction gradually becomes forbidden as a result. There is short-lived societal backlash, and then it becomes more accepted. I guess because, like you mentioned, it's you know, it's too late to stop it at that point. But let's hope you're wrong, Winnish, but uh, who knows? 
The way technology is rapidly advancing, anything's possible, really. All right, here's a uh, here's one about uh, speaking about the weather. It comes from Natalie in New Jersey. She writes, "Winter will be mild, no snow for the Northeast, and summer will be brutal." Natalie, I sure hope you're wrong because I love the snow. In my area over here in southern New Jersey, we apparently haven't had significant snowfall totals since January of 2022. That's right. It's been about two years now since we last had more than an inch of snow. Now, this breaks the previous record set in the Philadelphia region, which was way back in the early 1970s. That's just, that's unreal. But uh, Natalie also adds to, uh, to her prediction saying that for the music scene, she senses not only K-pop will continue to gain popularity, but so will J-pop and maybe even music from Bollywood. Well, a confession for you all, I do enjoy K-pop. There's just something to it that makes the melody so unique. I mean, there's just there's just such a a really cool way that that K-pop artists, you know, they go from something super catchy to something super dramatic and with such emotion. Yes, I realize it's highly overproduced, but have you ever been to a K-pop show, like a live concert? I had the privilege of of seeing uh, some of the K-pop artists out there, uh, like Blackpink and Twice, perform, and I was absolutely blown away. Not just by the music, but by the amazing choreography. I mean, these people are singers, they're performers, they're perfectionists. Everything was choreographed down to the precise second. I mean, sheer perfection. And it was absolutely incredible. So I highly recommend giving K-pop a chance, especially if you're just a fan of pop music in general. All right. So I got your prediction in the book there, Natalie. Prediction number 33. Winter will be mild, no snow for the Northeast in particular, and summer will be brutal. All right, prediction number 34, K-pop, J-pop, and music from Bollywood will continue to, to gain popularity. I assume here in the States is what you meant by that, since it's already big, you know, in other parts of the world. Uh, this next one comes from my mother. Yes, my mother is leaving a prediction an official one. She says that summer breaks records as the hottest in history. AI will do something which will cause change in the thoughts of all those who said they or it would be dangerous. Interesting. There will be a horrific event that finally causes a ban on owning certain military style guns. We will have a new speaker of the house and more shootings and murders will be recorded, making it the worst in history in her state of Pennsylvania. Yikes, that's a whole lot of negative predictions there. But like I said earlier, these are predictions nonetheless. And so I'll enter them in, in here as official ones for 2024, regretfully. All right, so we have prediction number 35. This summer break, uh, goes on record as the hottest in human history. Uh, number 36, AI will do something which will change the thoughts of all those who said it would be dangerous. Number 37, a horrific event finally causes a ban on owning certain military-style guns. Number 38, we get a new Speaker of the House. Number 39, more shootings and murders go down in Pennsylvania, making it the worst ever on record for the state. Uh, but one more from her husband who says that the Philadelphia Phillies will win this year's World Series. There we go. Something I'm upbeat. I like that one. That will be uh, prediction number 40, which rounds out our list for 2024. 
but I, I do have one more here from Marsha Moore. Now, this isn't exactly a prediction, but more like a wonderful wish for all of us. And I think this is a perfectly uh, awesome way to end uh, this episode. Now, Marsha, I had on the show a while back, the episode is titled Psychic Discernment. Uh, very fascinating character, one of my good friends, and uh, she shares this with us. Predictions are hard because we all have free will. I may see, feel something is coming, but we can all change that. So instead, how about my hopes and wishes for this new year? I hope, wish for us all to find more love and peace for and with each other. I hope we can all find that love and stop judging others for their race, sexuality, religion, and so on. I feel that this hatred is causing so many problems in the world. Enjoy life, laugh, and don't take yourself so seriously this year. Find the good in all things. And I hope by, the, by this time next year, we are all a little happier with our lives and have a huge smile on our faces because we have found some peace. My love to you all in this upcoming year. Isn't that just so beautiful? And what a way to end this episode. My thanks to everyone who participated and sent in some of these incredible visions for the future. Some positive, some not so positive, and some just tasty. But we shall see what the future holds. And hopefully it includes many more episodes of this very program, Terror Signals, that you're listening to now. I really do appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to me ramble on. And I'll be back for season three in about a month or two with uh, with some more episodes and more intriguing individuals to have uh, you know these great, exciting conversations with. In the meantime, though, be sure to click the links in the show notes to help support the program and keep the conversations going. Here is to an amazing 2024. You have been listening to Terror Signals with Justin Bamforth and presented by Normal Paranormal. For more on this show and other topics of high strangeness, please visit normalparanormal.org or visit the program website at terrorsignals.com.